ladies and gentlemen, we're just moments away. That's the biggest night in the history of this great organization. Are you ready? No, I said, are you ready? Hey, yo. Smart marks. What's a smart mark? A mark with a high IQ. Back in town, and we ain't in town to mess around. To be the man, you gotta beat the man, and I'm saying, whoo, right here, I'm the man. That's hard time. Yeah. And what they're gonna do when Hulkamania in the largest part of the world runs wild on you? Rest in peace. You just made the list! It's heating up here! There's a slop drop! I'm the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're the man, what the rock is cooking! Two, a slot drop. Hey, everybody, welcome to the slot drop. This is Nathan Rogers, as always, joined by the Loose County David McBee. This is a very special episode of the slot drop as we are in MSW Training Center with the one and only Jason Jones, the Space Cowboy. Man, I am pumped to be here with the Space Cowboy. This is going to be a lot of fun. We've been wanting to get over and see you. The last event we was over here was awesome. What have you been up to since that last event, Space Cowboy? Uh, actually, uh, since that last event, I won the Southern Heavyweight Championship. So it's almost put me on the road every weekend um, between Oklahoma, Kansas, you know, Texas, and Missouri. And we've been busy. We've been busy full-time with the training students getting ready for that next group and that next breed to come out and just... That's what we've been pouring everything into our our absence in Arkansas right now. This is what we're pouring everything into is two and three nights a week we're here training. We're getting that next group ready to rock and roll. So that's what's been going on. Jason, for those that don't know, how long have you been in the wrestling business? I broke in the wrestling business when, I mean, technically I was like 17 years old and a group came to town and I showed up and I was like, do you need help doing anything? You know, I'll pop popcorn, I'll run the music or whatever. And they, so they let me run music. And it was back in the day when everything was on cassette. So my job was to play the cassette, you know, and play like a minute and then stop it, rewind it, put it back in that same spot so they had it for the next day. So that really kind of gave me like an eye on the business. And then as soon as I graduated, I started training and um, I started ringing out and just to kind of get my foot in the door because I did pretty well at that. And then eventually, you know, everybody gets the bug and they want to do something more than, you know, just be a referee or ring announcer or whatever. So I started, I made my pro debut basically early 98 and uh, kind of been full time ever since. With, you know, the exception, I had, I had a knee surgery a few years back that slowed me down for a little bit, you know, and I couldn't get cleared to do that. But um, I guess that's going on 22 years now. That makes wow. me feel old. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right, so you would have been back in the, you know, the Attitude Era, the Attitude WCW, Day. Monday Nitro, all that stuff when wrestling was 
really blowing up in the late 90s was kind of when you got your start. Yes, sir. I mean, it was back in the time when there wasn't a lot of indie promotions around, too. So, you know, the promoters were far and in between. So it was a, a gravy train, so to speak, to put pro wrestling on a flyer in a National Guard Armory and not even really book a name and it would be standard. And uh, so I was I was thankful enough to break in during that time where it was hot and then I saw its ups and downs and its curves and all of that stuff and you stick with it because once you get bitten by it and you have the bug, there's there's really no going back. And But you're right, I broke in about that after, you know, that, so I got a chance to work with a lot of those guys before they got called up and then some of those on their way back down, you know, back in the Indies and all that stuff. So. It's been, a, it's been a wild ride, but, man, I've really enjoyed it. And now my big thing is passing on the knowledge that I've had and have gathered. And I'm still learning. I mean, 22 years in the business, and I still learn. But passing that on to the next generation, that's why I really enjoy coaching. I really do. Well, man, we mentioned training. We're here at the MSW Training Center. you got a packed house tonight, and I see a lot of talent in your rings. Uh, without mentioning any names, what is the youngest uh, talent you have and maybe the most veteran you have here at the training center? Well, um, we don't train anyone under the age of 18 years old. We do have an 18-year-old that comes from Springfield. Uh, a lot of our trainees come from Missouri. I've had a lot of them come from Kansas and Arkansas. But I'm kind of the go-to guy, especially guys that have had training and they need that finish. I'm the good finish guy that people send them to, so to speak, without tooting my own horn. But I'm a, I have a very good attention to detail, and I'll tell them what promoters are going to look for, what bookers are going to look for. So there's things that the basics are trained, and then you get to that point where you start putting in that finishing touches, that extra English on everything, and that final touch. And that's where some of these guys are now. Um, one of my trainees that started with me about two years ago was a female, and she started getting out, and she realized, when we realized when she was getting bookings in other places that she, I trained her just like the guys, and they didn't give her a lot of excuses, and a lot of times females are pushed hard and pushed fast because, you know, it's a pretty face on a poster, you know, it sells tickets, and, but we realized when she was going places, she was working circles around some of the other girls because she had a full, complete training. I trained like what I was trained like, what guys were trained back years ago, and total protection of the business and total protection of the other guy. I mean, a lot of these guys are going to train a year and a half before they have the first match. And I think any time that you're in a business where the other person's life and your life is one step away, that that's something you have to do. But she recently got signed for the first, she's the first female Ring of Honor um, signee, um, you know, for developmental. So that's pretty cool. And you know, she's living out in Baltimore now. I'm really proud of her. And we've got a lot of students that are getting some of their first matches within, you know, a couple of them within the first month or so. They had already worked in three or four different states because they came up, they were trained the right way. You can take that, you can take that knowledge and that craft and showcase your talents. And if, if you're good at what you do and you're trained properly, you can go anywhere in the world and work. And that's what I tell them. There's really no shortcuts, and there's a lot of people out there that still teach where you know they try to say they're going to train a person they've got them in a, in a match in three months and that's just not good for the business at all well with so many you know organizations that are wrestling's hot again yeah. you know it's it's starting to get hot you have a uh, aw getting ready to start up you know, roh impact wrestling wwe all the different 
organizations and, and indie wrestling's hot again like it hasn't been in a long time uh and like you mentioned the women wrestlers right now the women's revolution is really taking off in the wwe uh wrestling's hot right now what have you the last you know, 20 years you've had ups and downs in the industry uh what what are you seeing right now out on, out on the indie scene i've i'm seeing that there's a there's a resurgence on the indie scene that wasn't there. Even like, you know, the biggest cards you would see back in the day is if you had a name on the indie card, but people are receptive of saying they're gonna to go to a local indie show and know that they're not gonna have pageantry and the stage and the entrance of like what Vince has and all that good stuff. And that's really cool because it can be gritty and grungy and that's cool. And there's a lot of those products out there. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of different there's a lot of different flavors of pizza instead of just having Pizza Hut all the time. Not that there's anything wrong with Pizza Hut. But when you get that processed, commercialized pizza, week in, week out, people want something different. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. Used to, before in the past, you had top contenders that had a different flavor. You had, back in the day, you are talking about the Attitude Era, you had your WCW, you had your ECW, and then you had a couple along the way. And right now, even though they're branding it, it still feels like the same process, the same process. So when you get a little competition, it's just something, it's, it's a new flavor. You know what I'm saying? It's if you get a ham, I mean, if you get a steak every night of the week, that's awesome. But every now and then you're like, hey man, I'll take some fried chicken. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I think that's what you're getting into with the scene. It's just, it's not necessarily, you know, against whatever the big guy has. But it's a change of pace, and I think that's awesome. Any competition is, is great. Well, first of all, kudos for training the female just like you would a male because the diva days are over. We're looking at the possibly yes, the first WrestleMania where women will be the main event. Uh, second, we've talked about the resurgence and the popularity of the movie scene. How much credit do you think Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks have to do with that? I mean, I know we've all seen the joke, the meme going around that AEW's a t-shirt company right now, <laughs> but I don't know if any t-shirt company that sold out the MGM brand in four minutes. Yeah. I, I mean, kudos to any indie company that and I know that they've got the buzz and the hype to do it. I'm anxious to see what will happen when they start having a regular recurring product. Are they? Is it just going to be another TNA at that point for the... And they're just going to root for the next underdog that comes around. I know New Japan has been around for a while, and a lot of the cult fans like that. And that's the same style. But, man, I, I wish them all the best because any time that... Uh, man, any time that you can introduce something new and it's still in the good name of pro wrestling because I'm still... I still think the name on the marquee is professional wrestling. And uh, I think they have a tremendous I can't, I can't remember a time walking into Hot Topic and seeing, you know, a Kurt Angle showing up. You know what I mean? For sale. You go in and it was Bullet Club, Bullet Club, Bullet Club. And there was people buying that stuff that didn't even know about pro wrestling because it was a it was a hip, trendy logo. It was cool. And everybody was wearing it. So, I mean, cool. Um, I got a chance to work with Cody right after his father passed away. Um, I ended up doing back, uh, backstage like an extra work for WWE, and he was there. And uh, I shook his hand. He was very super nice, but he was when he was still doing the Stardust, you know, gimmick. And I know he was probably. I mean, the smartest move that that guy ever did was walk away from his contract because he would just be another face lost in the show. And I don't say that about a lot of guys. Sometimes 
just being there and sitting in creative and catering and getting that paycheck because when they're done they can go to the indies and make a thousand dollars a night off that pay for the rest of their life if they want to um but i think cody did the right thing at the right time opted out i don't think money was really an issue for him um i think that he was he's in the prime he's in the prime of his life and you know you get complacent sometimes it's just Better to make a career move. Guys back in the day in the territory, they could be the top guy in the territory, but if they work there for a year and a half, they tend to get stale. So that was time to move on to the next territory. And guess what happens when they come back around two years, they're fresh again. You know what I'm saying? So I think that uh, I'm interested to see what happens when they are on TV on a weekly basis or something, if they're still going to be that new girl in this class. You know what I mean? That everybody's like, hey, she's kind of hot. You know? <laughs> well, you know, the thing that I really like, especially when we're talking about Mid-States Wrestling, is when I come over to like a Mid-States event, it's the the stories are really told in the ring. It's not all the production. It's guys, you know, <coughs> interviews, not mass produced with a producer saying you got to say this, this, and this. These stories that you guys are telling in the ring, and I can see a lot of that, especially like New Japan Pro Wrestling and a lot of that, the matches are starting to tell the story again instead Absolutely. of all the Hollywood See a lot of that in NXT and ROH. Sure. And that's what we love about indie wrestling as well. Absolutely, yeah. And that's that's kind of where we're at. You know there's times where we'll get an interview out there to lay out what's going on or to fill those people in that, that aren't up to date with it or whatever. But let the work speak for itself in the ring. These guys that are training here right now, they're not just training how to be the next bumping spot monkeys. They're actually training how to wrestle. Psychology is one thing. Little things, telling a story in that ring. So that's, that's one thing that I do stress. And I tell people that even come to train with me, check around and see if there's something you want to do. Because this is not the easiest route to get there. I'm probably one of the hardest routes to get there. You know what I'm saying? But... Uh, there's a there's different strokes for different things. I think um, I think, I don't know the best way to say it without you know sometimes you try to say something without getting heat with anybody or anything else but I still miss you know WTBS at 5:05 and basically the guys going out there having the match and something transpires and that turns into the next week and so on and so forth so I'm a fan that southern that southern wrestling and that's that's the product I want to have I want a product that you can come out and bring the whole family to and not have to worry about vulgarity or anything like that so that means logic that kind of leads me to uh, most everybody of course watches the WWE weekly and there's other stuff out there I mean MLW What's out there right now that you're still a, um, you've been in the business for 20 years. What's out there now that you're still a fan of what, that you like to see and uh, what, what is it that you don't like to see? <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell you one thing I think is cool is I even though I'm not a big WWE fan, I'll watch the big pay-per-views and stuff and stay, you know, with some of my same high school buddies that I had back then, we get together and watch the Royal Rumble and uh, have a good time. One thing's okay, let's start with the WWE. My favorite match of the night is usually a Charlotte Flair match. I'm a huge Ric Flair fan. I have been. But she is probably the most athletic person on that daggum part. And they can say what they want about women dressing, about it being a popcorn break and a restroom break. And it used to be that way. But now they're booking them in that. you know. And a lot of people, they poop, pardon the expression, they poop on Bailey Bailey's pound for pound she's sound in there and I'll take one of those good storytelling matches in all day long 
I haven't watched a lot of TNA. I can't even tell you what network TNA comes on. And that's not a shot at you because I've worked with a lot of those talent. I mean, I just recently worked with, is it, uh, is it Ethan Page? From, I think that God, I'm going to... Also, you go even Yes, I worked with him last or two weekends ago, and I didn't know who he was, but I felt bad. But when I saw him in the ring, I was like, "This kid, he gets it," you know. Dave, um, Dave's a huge Impact fan. More, more specifically, a Dixie Carter fan. Oh, are you? <laughs> you know, Dixie's hot, chick, dude. But uh, she's hot, know, but she can't run a company. That's true. And if it means anything to you, I mean, she hired me to do security one night, so that's that's probably why her company started failing. It's me running the backstage every one night in Kansas City. But man, they they've had some great talent through there. I mean, that one time they were. Look at look at who's in the WWE now that came from there. Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Bobby Roode. I mean, all those guys came from Impact, totally misused. Absolutely. Now they're going to WrestleMania. And sometimes, though, in, in saying that, I think their training grounds in NXT is a good thing for their product, how it teaches them camera angles and everything else. I mean, you guys have to have that these days. I recently had a couple of my students and a couple of guys that I've been in the business with for a long time. They got dark matches with WWE in Kansas City, so I got, I got some free comp tickets. They put us in, like, the third row. And I watched a... Uh, Elias, Elias worked Bobby Lashley, and Bobby Lashley has been on the show for a while. I watched Elias correct him and turn him towards the hard camera three different times in one match. We're huge Elias fans. One of the best heels in wrestling today, and it's totally being misused. I mean, that's and, oh, yeah. I know and, we're coming off of Smarks, but <laughs> sure, still. no, I get it. And it, but they're training them all that stuff. Day one, come to the ring. There's your hard camera play to that, and those are things that. Uh, great workers do and especially that's the product they're putting out but he's taking a guy that's been in this business for a while that's been dormant for a few years or whatever and smartening him up and turning him the right directions and stuff so that's cool that they're able to help each other and that they come in with that knowledge already knowing how to work to that camera and you know their style of their company but I also see that some guys that they bring up for NXT sometimes it's better to be a big fish in a little pond. I mean I mean, look at, uh, what what was the, the kid that had the selfie stick gimmick, Tyler? Tyler Breeze. He came, and he was, like, so smoking hot in NXT, because I had watched a couple weeks, and then he just... Trained by Shawn Michaels. They just, I mean, he totally just flamored. And I think, basically, he got himself back over with the fashion police vignettes, you know, and I think they just poo-pooed his character. And then another, you look at Nakamura, he was the hottest thing, and then it was just... Yeah, it, it was a lot of hype, and I'm a big fan of his with that strong style and that like right in your face action. And it was just, it was lost. So sometimes Bobby Roode's a great talent. I met him a couple times years ago, worked with him, and he's a great guy. But it, that gimmick in NXT played so well, when it, came, it just fell flat. And I hate that. And sometimes you don't have a choice. Yeah. I, I know I'm a huge Undisputed Era fan there in NXT. And I've read, whether it's true or not, you know how it is you read it on the internet, that a lot of them doesn't really want to get called up because they don't want to be put on the shelf. They like where they're at in NXT right now. Sure. Um, the, the other guy that everybody likes is the Velveteen Dream. And I think that if he was called up, that would be another casualty like that. It would be lost. I don't think it would trans transition to the big stage like it would in NXT because you have those rabid fans right there. Yeah. And that, 
It has that ECW vibe with the crowd, does. kind of a cult. Has, and I, I try to, I try to watch it, but I can never remember remember a when it's on. Or, yeah. But we were talking earlier about what's out there. You know, I keep the network for the sole reason of you know watching pay per view here and there, but. Man, I go back and watch a lot of that old stuff, even a lot of the 80s Saturday nights made it in. It really works for me here in teaching because when I am teaching something, I'll say, listen, go back and watch, you know, go watch, um, you know, Starcade 87, you know, and I'll tell them, you know, I'll pick up a match and I'll say, when we're working with tag team match, you guys know I'm, I'm a big Midnight, Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express fan, and I'll pick out matches for them to watch. And that way it relates because some of these guys that, that want to be in the wrestling business, they weren't always brought up on that. So I'm schooling them on that, and almost everybody that's a wrestling fan has a network. So it's not like back in the day we had to go get bootleg yeah. tapes and order them, you know, order them on the internet. And Appreciate stuff and, that, by the way. And watching them and just kind of like, you know, the, the traction and everything else is horrible. But now you can simply go, hey, listen, if you're working on your punches, go look at Bobby Eaton. You know, and I'll tell guys things like, we're working on arm drags, go watch the Ricky Steamboat. And I'll even go on YouTube sometimes, find something, and send it to the guys and say, this is what you want. This is the Christmas. This is the move that we learned. This is what it should look like on the follow-through when it's done. So it's been a good – it helps me with teaching because everybody has it. And if they don't, they've got a bootleg stream to it somewhere. Right. This, this is kind of off the subject, but I had a website reach out to me and ask me, if, you know, to contribute to a piece they were doing in the Hall of Fame. And they said, Who's, who do you think should be in the Hall of Fame that's not in there? I said, Midnight Express. Hands down. They said, uh, okay, would you write? Sure, wrote a whole thing about it. They put it on their website. Man, I just don't understand. I know there's heat Cornette and the WWE and all that, but you got someone, and no disrespect to Tori Wilson, but she's being inducted into the, this year's Hall of Fame when Bobby Eaton and Sweet Stan Lane is, is not. It's just a travesty. And everybody, all their top feuds, the guys that they feud with, are in the Hall of Fame. But they're not. I just I don't understand it. But and it, Not it, to go down a rabbit hole. No, no, but that rabbit hole still is every year you know what they're going to have. They're going to have that one headliner, okay? They're going to have that tag team. They're going to have the one female. And, I mean, without pulling punches, they're going to have that one ethnic person on there. That's, I mean, just, I mean, hate stereotyping, but look back at the trend over the last six years, and that's what it's been. And then they're going to pull in that one person that has absolutely nothing to do with it. I went to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I went to the Hall of Fame, uh, the Hall of Fame in New Orleans uh, the, the year that Warrior got put in. And I was like, do you guys not remember what he said about New Orleans after, you know, Katrina? It was horrible, like, of all the places to put him in. But they also look at things like this. You put Sting in. They've got Stinger shirts that they can sell. Mm -hmm. I love the Midnight Express, but, I mean, even being on the road with Bobby Eaton, they never did well on merchandise because it was always the it was always the smart fans. And those are usually the ones that don't spend any money anyway. Um, Ricky and Robert were the one that benefited the most when it came to merchandise sales off the, off the Midnight, you know. And um, I love Ricky and Robert's death. And, you know, Punky is one of the greatest workers. Most He's the top seller in this business that ever was. If you guys want to know how to sell, you go back there and watch a Ricky Morton match. You'd think he was killed. He was being killed in that match. And it was a formula that didn't, that didn't, it didn't change, but it didn't have to. Because if it didn't broke, don't fix it. He'd come in hot and heavy, tag Robert in, then Ricky get back in there, get the heat put on him, get his butt whipped for five minutes. Robert make that hot tag, double drop kick, match is over. Right. And you're talking about the Hall of Fame and then filling that point. They've already got their female, and I think the Midnight Express should have been in a few years ago, but I'm also biased too. You know, um, Bobby Eaton's one of the best buddies in the whole world, and I learned a lot from him just sitting in a car with him. 
and little things when we worked TCW together. I saw how eager he was to help the young guys that saw that was help. And to me, that you know, the, the, old, the old expression was Bobby Eaton's the nicest guy in pro wrestling. He, Bobby Eaton's one of the nicest guys you ever met in the world. Just limited to pro wrestling. And um, to see a tag team like that, not necessarily snubbed, but I, I think they should have been in there a long time ago, and hopefully we'll see them. I mean, hopefully the, the voices will be loud enough over the years. But I don't – when you see some of those people come back that you never thought you would see there, you see your Jeff Jarrett's come back and your Corvettes come back to a duck the Rock and Roll I think they'll do whatever equals money. And, and, and I mean, that's that's just good business. It's a publicly traded company. Golden Thong Awards. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. But, I mean – Tori looks better now than she did yeah. 20 years ago. And where's poor Billy Kidman? She's in the Hall of Fame, and what's that guy up to? I think he's working backstage, isn't he? I, I think, think so. Kidman still is, so. but I mean. Maybe he had a little help to. I, I, you know, but to me, and I know that Vince always had that mentality that he snubbed his nose down at Southern Wrestling and Southern Wrestling, and, and uh, you know, I just, if it, was, if it was my Hall of Fame, it would start with those guys, you know. It would be your Midnight Expresses and your Dusty Roads. I think eventually they'll find a place. You have to go down. You can only there can only be so many tag teams each year. You know it may take a while, but I'm just also biased too. Well, when you talk about like the art of selling with Ricky Morton, that's one thing that like when I watch wrestling nowadays, it's it gets frustrating because you know you'll see a guy they'll take a bump and will survive, and then a few minutes later. You know, he'll get pinned with something silly that makes absolutely no sense. It seems like sometimes the common sense of wrestling is not out there. Like, you'll see a guy, you know, get... Kick, kick out of a powerbomb and yeah. then get count of three of the Superman punch. I mean. Yeah, exactly. It just it, The art of the selling doesn't seem to be there. Like, you know, I know when I was younger watching, I've been watching a lot of that network stuff. I've been going watching, watching a lot of the old NWA, you know, Ricky... Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and of course Ricky Morton and the Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, and you can see them. They're, you know, they can work a match on five moves and make it look incredible absolutely. by just absolutely selling it, making you believe it. Whereas now, it's a lot of. It seems like it's a lot of spot monkeys with all sorts of you know backflips and stuff like that that they'll recover from in two seconds. And th- and that's what they're being trained to do, though. I mean, it's nothing against them. They're just performers trying to make a living. And sometimes, if, you know, you hear it from some of these guys that have been there. If the writers don't have anything for you, you're still getting paid, but you're still sit there. I know a lot of them would rather go out there and do a match and tear the house down. But I use talent that knows how to tell a good story in the ring. I train my students to, to train. I mean, when they're trained, they know how to tell the story. They know how to sell. Um, and the, and. I think it's missing a lot today because a lot of these matches are set up for TV matches. I mean, if if an interview segment goes long, your eight-minute match just become a five-minute match, and five minutes isn't even enough to start beating on somebody, you know. And they're they're at the mercy to a lot of things. So I don't ever hold anything against the guys. I don't hold hold anything against the guys. Some of them are there for a paycheck, and I get that, you know. Um, they all, if they offered me a job, I would go, but I could see myself being absolutely miserable because I would be biting my tongue the whole way, you know, and I'm just that guy. You know, it's, it's why guys like Jim Cornette that know so much, it's why they don't thrive there or they don't want to be there because they constantly look at it as pooping all over what everybody's done, you know, for so long. And, you know, that's just the old school of us, I guess. You, uh, you mentioned Charlotte Flair earlier, and I totally agree. You know, a lot of folks on the Internet say she's – where she is because of her, her dad, and I don't buy into that. If that was the case, then David Flair would be the 
would still be in wrestling and be the world champion by now. Sure. Charlotte was an, a volleyball player. She's worked her, excuse my language, she's worked her ass off to get to where she's at right now. And I think she's a great performer. Is there anything you don't like that you see on, whether it be the Mothership, WWE, <coughs> or ROH, or, or any other promotion out there? Um, I haven't watched a lot of ROH. I've watched a couple of them. There's a couple guys that entertain me. You know, uh, I like the cheeseburger guy. I think he's in, I think he's funny and he's entertaining. I've worked with a lot of uh, what's the guy I saw that it was. Um, he worked compound for us or on a show. His book is it the Beer City Bruiser, yeah. Beer City Brawler. Mm-hmm. Super nice guy. Love the character because it takes me back to every guy doesn't have to be really? sculpted. You know, he's a big tough guy, and that's what wrestling used to be. You know, Joey and I were talking about he was trained by Killer Tim Brooks, and. Back in the day, Bill Woods hired you if you looked like a guy that can beat you up in a bar fight. And that's what wrestlers were back in the day. When you look at those Mid-South, they were big, burly guys. Jim Duggins, your early lads and stuff. And I think a lot of that is missing today because a lot of those guys are gymnasts first and pro wrestlers second. That kind of that kind of brings me to something else. A lot of uh, folks don't like all the MMA crossover right sure. now, which I'm a fan of because I'm a huge MMA person. Gotcha. Back in the day, like you said, they looked for big bruisers, not – spot monkeys a lot of times they go for football players yeah nowadays why go for a football player that has no combat sports experience whatsoever when you can go for an mma person ronda rousey brock lesnar matt riddle uh tom lawler all those guys are and girls are in mma right now Shayna baszler what's your thoughts on the, the crossover um a lot of people, you know, they bash Rock, and they're like, oh, he's part-time champion, or they call him a princess because he never shows up. But that's the way the heavyweight champion used to be booked. You know, daggum well, that if it came down to a fight, anybody in that locker room, Brock Lesnar, would kick their ass in a heartbeat. That's all it boils down to, and that's the legitimacy they're bringing to it. Mm-hmm. They, a champion shouldn't have to be there every week. It should be a special thing when they right. show up. And they advertise it like that. They will say, next Monday night, Brock Lesnar will be here. Well, then you're going to tune in because like something's, he's setting an angle up. Yeah. Um, also, too, a lot of people are, are poo-pooing on Ronda Rousey. Here's the other thing. I'll put her toe-to-toe against any guy in that locker room and she will whoop her butt. And they'll say, well, she lost her last you know, couple of fights, whatever. Who cares? Did any of the – and, you know, one of my students even said, well, how come they didn't now offer – it was a Holly Holmes or what? How come they didn't offer her contract? I said, Holly Holmes has host Saturday Night Live. Was she in an expendable movie? No. Ronda Rousey's marketable. Yeah. She's a good-looking face. She can work, and she has a huge respect for the wrestling business. She got pushed hard, but she absolutely didn't ask for that. Right. She – trained and she has been training so i mean i think i think she earned her spot there i think trying to find that spot to where she works more fluid with some of those people like sasha and stuff as opposed to just using that brawler style but one of the first things i ask when i train someone is do you have any martial arts experience because there's little lingo things that you can pick up because I can say when I'm teaching somebody collar and elbow tie, go to a fighter stance. They already know that. They know that a lot of the holds that I'm going to show them, a hip toss, or I'm going to show them an arm drag, that it's all coming from the hips. And I don't have to re-explain that. They know that. And so it's little variations like on that Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's simple things. And I will show somebody when I show them the hold and say, here's the shoot move. Here's what it is. This is what we're going to do to make it more theatrical for pro wrestling. So having a martial arts background does does uh, help you in advantages, leaps and bounds. But I think there will be a lot more crossovers. You know, they can probably make money quicker um, going the UFC route. 
you know, because you can have two fights a year and make more than being on the road 200 nights a year. So I see that. But I also see that as a way down, too, where they could show up and get a contract where they could just make 15 appearances a year and still have their own thing on the side, you know. So I'm all for it. I think it does add some legitimacy to it when you have a Brock Lesnar show right. up. Instead uh, of the old football player days. And, and now you, know, you can't compete with football player salary. You know, that's yeah. what it boils down to. They used to not make anything. That's why Wahoo McDaniel was such a – you know, big name. He ended up leaving football because he made more money in a couple months wrestling than he did playing pro yeah. ball. He was only making like forty something thousand dollars a year playing professional football. He'd make that in a month wrestling. You know, Butch Reed, you know, turned down his NFL contract because he made more money in wrestling. Same thing actually Jim Duggan. He played one season and he got injured and he was like, I can make more money wrestling, you know, than I can playing football. But it gives him that legitimacy too. These guys are actually and I, I agree everything you said about Brock. I mean, if I had the chance to work that many days a year for that much money, sign me up. And he's a legitimate badass. That's Absolutely. how you got to push him. That's how you got to promote him. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He's drawing heat from the crowd, whether they're booing him or cheering him. He's a draw. And with Rousey, she's taking a lot of heat because she messed up a promo a few weeks ago. Dude, she's only been doing this a year. There's guys in the back that still can't do a promo. And last night, I don't know if you watched Raw last night, but she actually did a really good job last night. Really? Yeah. They've been working. And that's just it. They're, putting her, they're hurrying up and putting her out there in front of the camera. So the best thing is for her to do is learn from her mistakes and show them and their coach. And they've got the staff to do that. And they have enough, you know, retired guys in the back to take somebody aside, you know. Uh, when I went backstage for I got to sit at the same table of Dean Malenko and Anderson and Michael P.S. Hayes and just – like a table, like we're sitting right here and catering, and I'm I'm getting paid, and I'm like, man, try not to be a fanboy right now, because there's two of the horsemen in a freebird sitting right here. Those were the guys that are running the matches, that are giving finishes in the back. They have got a staff of a thousand people that are able to help them do whatever they need to do, and uh, I think Ronda Rousey is a great addition. I mean, look at the merchandise she did alone before she even had a match, you know, with the Piper logo and all that stuff. I look at things like that at a business standpoint. A lot of workers don't, because I've been a promoter you have to look at things like is she marketable can i sell us will somebody buy an energy drink with their face on it will they buy a t-shirt and you have to do that if not you're in the business just for the wrong reason you have to look at it it has to be has to be valuable if not you're not going to make it well uh the promoter part of you i'm going to ask a question is who's a promoter the last couple events you had were really big events i mean we were talking before we we came on uh basically sellouts the last event you did with Jerry the King Lawler, that place was packed. So right now, uh, what is the future uh, of Mid-States Wrestling? Well, um, I'm glad you guys have chosen to do the podcast tonight because tomorrow we're making an announcement on our Facebook page. I'm actually going to make it here first. Um, uh, Mid-States Wrestling is staying right here with our training academy. However, Saturday, April the 13th, we're going to Springfield, Missouri. We have an awesome venue booked up there at the Relics Event Center, and we have a top-notch card um, Cowboy Bob Orton's going to be there. Superstar Bill Dundee's going to be there. Loverboy Matt Riviera is going to be there. Mr. Saturday Night Michael Berry. Tim Storm's going to be there. James Beard's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Uh, good Lord, man, the list is there. And so we're hoping to make Springfield one of those reoccurring one of those reoccurring stars. A lot of my students live there too. So we're having what they call shoot uh, rising star battle oil. So it's gonna give these younger guys a chance to showcase. So the winner gets a guaranteed spot on the next card when they come back. So you can guarantee they're gonna be busting the butt, right? Um, I would you know with our with our pending lawsuit with the Arkansas State Athletic Commission 
you know, and I have to be careful what I say. Um, there's too much red tape right now for professional wrestling to be viable and to make it worth right now for a wrestler. Arkansas is probably one of the hardest states to keep a license in because they constantly change the rules. If they, I feel like professional wrestling is a nuisance to them, and that's a shame because anytime Vince comes through, they're getting a check for probably 15, 20 grand, you know? Um, I don't think that anything, let's not, I mean, it's, it's 2000, and, was it 2019? <laughs> but let's not pull punches. You guys know that it's predetermined. Everybody does. So why in the world is a sport like professional wrestling still governed by a body that's MMA and boxing? I am more along the lines able to, you know, come in physical. It, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's frustrating, and a lot of states have already done the common sense thing and just deregulated professional wrestling. And I think it needs to be done in Arkansas. It takes away the liability from the state. And it also, I mean, I had a top performer that worked for the WCW and the WWE, and we booked him on an event. He called to simply purchase his license in the state of Arkansas and said, where can I fax my blood work and my physical to? And the commissioner said, where are you wrestling at? Well, he didn't want to put heat on anybody because there's a lot of states that won't let you even book a talent until you've filed your permit. A lot of these talents, they booked up six months in advance. So you want to make sure that you've got the talent there before you book your venue and all that stuff uh, and send your permit in. And she would not give him any information until, she told, until he told her who he was working for, when it was, how much he was getting paid, and everything else. When none of that stuff needs to matter. He said, lady, I've wrestled for two biggest companies in the world. If I want to keep my license just valid so I can go at the drop of a dime, you should sell me a license and shut up. And, you know, we've had a lot of issues about that. It's, it's the whole, you know, when it used to be the commission should be there to help you and answer the phone. They're there three hours a day maybe. They answer the phone calls or return them when they want to. And half of them wear a badge and come in the building and act like they're Billy Baddett, you know what I mean? Yeah. When it should be the other way around. I worked in Oklahoma this weekend. The commissioner was there to help us. He first came in, hey, who needs licenses that doesn't have license? Come over here, let's get your paperwork. If you had a question, if it bordered on the rules, he was there to help you. He helped fill out the deal, and then every, everybody went home. Here's a good story. The, one of the commissioners came to the event here. Um, this has been about a year or so ago, and one of my... Um, wrestlers actually wrestles under a mask. He's not from Arkansas, but he also referees a match or two. He went to buy a referee's license so he could referee a match on that card because he enjoys doing both. And she said, I can't sell you a referee's license because you're already, you're already a contestant. And he said, oh, that's funny. And she said, no, how are you going to be unbiased if you're a contestant and you're a referee at the same time? And I... I said, are you being serious right now? She said, absolutely. So he did not get to referee a match because he had wrestled under a mask earlier that night. Oh, man. And I couldn't believe it. I still had to ask her two or three times, are you joking with me right now? It's not like he's going to go fix a fight for pro boxing or whatever. Right. It was just – so some of these things, it's almost a laughing matter when they try to regulate some of these rules that are just ridiculous. Well, uh, you know, years ago, being uh, a part of some MMA stuff, I can contest to that. They want 
everybody to have a license. The refs, the judges, the, the ring announcers. Yeah. The, you have to have paramedics on scene. You have to have <coughs> a doctor uh, at uh, cage side. Everybody has to have physical. And I'll tell you, you can't say it right now, but I can. It's a it's a money making for them. Absolutely. And I agree with you. It should be deregulated. And but they're missing out on money if they do that. So yes. So right. I can say that you can't. Yeah, <laughs> you got me. Well, it sounds like uh, April 13th is going to be a huge event in Springfield. We hate that it's not going to be here in Harrison, but it's great that Mid-States Wrestling is getting started up again. Now, I, I just want to throw a question by you. You know, we've been talking about a lot of different things. But, you know, all the things you've seen during your time in professional wrestling, which I know you have seen a lot in 20-something years, out of everything, what has been the one event or one thing that's happened maybe in the ring or at an event or something that is the moment that you cherish the most? Oh, my gosh. That's really throwing you on Man, it really, because there's so many. You know, I've... You, you get a kinship and a brotherhood with some of these guys that you travel with and that you wrestle with. And there's a lot of things when you see that one guy start underneath as a student and you get to see his, you know, make his way up from the knowledge of the skills that you've passed on to him and get to see him come into his own and, you know, you know, become a champion or you see him doing what he trained to do, selling tickets, putting butts in seats. That makes me proud as a trainer. But also makes me proud as being that guy's buddy or whatnot. Um, man, it's hard to narrow it down to just one or two moments. Um, having certain talent come in and complimenting us on the product. I remember we brought the Rock and Roll Express in, and before we had our locker room meeting to go over the rules, and we say a real quick word of prayer and stuff. Ricky Morton said, I want to take a minute, and he said, I want to thank Jason. He said, we stopped on the way into town, stopped at a service station 20 miles out of town to go to the restroom, and there was a poster. In there. He said, we went and ate at Western Sizzling, there was two posters in there. He said, that is how you sell tickets. And it's a lot of work promoting. I don't have to tell you guys anything. It's a pain in the butt. And I try to do my part so my guys can wrestle in front of 300 instead of 30. And uh, I just like it when I see people out and they say, thank you for giving us something we can do. And I take my boy and we go, that's our bonding time. And you give a good, clean product. That makes me proud. That makes me happy. Guys can compliment my matches all day long and fans. I'm like, hey, thank you. Thank you very much. But when I hear a compliment about something like that, about um, a family bonding or, you know, the whole family coming out and them saying, hey, you know, we went to WWE and stood back there for three hours trying to get an autograph and couldn't even get looked at. And my guys come out and sign autographs. And they, them telling me that the Mid-State show, that they had a bigger, better time than going seeing WWE in Springfield a couple weeks before, that's a compliment in my book. So I, I like those compliments more than anything. Now, I have another question for you. Of course, the last event was a big fundraiser for your friend Jake, mm -hmm. Jake Hook. Uh, can you give us an update on him? Man, Jake's, Jake's doing a lot better. Um, I spoke to him spoke to him on the phone not too long ago. I spoke to him on message. So I'm going to reach out to Jake now that the um, everything got finalized for the Springfield event. I'm going to reach out to Jake and see if Jake will grace us with his presence and come down and hang out and, and see all the people in the faces that are going for him, you know, because – He's, he's been putting his time in. It's a lot of hard work. I didn't think the guy was going to kick out from where he was. Was, he was in some bad shape. And let me tell you, if that goes to tell you like the power of prayer doesn't work, you're lying because it does. Because when I, when I went to see Jake, I, I was like, man, this is bad. And um, 
I'm telling you, from that guy doing a kick out, I mean, it, it blew the doctors away. It blew the medical staff away. It blew his family away. And that goes to show you the heart that he has, too, because he fought, and he's still fighting. And um, so hopefully Jake will be down soon to, you know, tip his hat and wave at the crowd. He's still got a long road to go, but, man, he's doing 5,000 times better than he was, you know. So that's great. Well, man, we appreciate you uh, being a guest on the podcast. It's kind of grown a little faster than we expected it would be. We got listeners all over the country. So for those of you guys listening, check out April 13th, Springfield, Missouri. Check out Jason Jones, the Space Cowboy, the Southern Heavyweight Champion. Uh, you're wrestling in not only in Arkansas, but Missouri and Oklahoma and Kansas. So any, anybody that's listening in those states, go check them out. Check out their Facebook page, their website. Check out the training center here. Uh, you guys, you got big names come in to help you train sometimes. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, well, I think, too, check out Mid-States Wrestling. You can go on Facebook, Mid-States Wrestling, to check them out. And also, if they want to buy tickets to the event, where can they get that? They're going to be able to get them. Uh, they're going to be able to get them on the website this week. It's mswtickets.com. You can call the toll-free number. It's 858-848. Or they'll be available at the premier pond locations both locations in springfield starting next week i believe so, we'll, uh, share, we'll share that on our facebook mswtickets.com is your best bet there's actually a link on our facebook right from there um we're gonna have a really cool and we tried our best to keep our ticket prices low. we're gonna have a 25 dollars like a vip platinum you'll get it early for a special meet and greet you get a front row seat then we got some golden circle that'll guarantee you a seat like in you know second row third row fourth row and then of course there'll be general mission and they'll get down to 15 bucks so you know it's gonna cost that much to take your family out to a movie almost and it'll be a good night of you know of uh entertainment and it'll be wrestling what you remember growing up on and uh, that, that makes me proud when I can put a product out there that, you know, it's still reminiscent of what I grew up on. Yeah. I'm thinking we need to get the Space Cowboy on the Anchor app so that way he can start maybe becoming reoccurring guests every once in a while. I think so, too. We know we have a weekly show. We recap the week of wrestling, and occasionally we'll have a bonus episode like this is going to be. But, man, you are welcome to jump in any time. Awesome, man. Uh, all you got to do is basically <clears throat> download an app and Done. we're able to... I've had a good time. Um, had a good time. So we're going to invite you guys back, and that way you can kind of interview some of our students and keep up with their progress of how they're going and their character development. That's one thing that we work on here too. So if you guys are one, I mean, we have guys. This Sunday we have Bennett James coming down to do a seminar with my students, and um, we had a steal here last week. And if his pedigree doesn't say it, I mean, he trained Lita. He trained CM Punk. He trained Adam Pierce. I mean, that doesn't tell you, you know, what a lineage that guy's leaving behind. For him to get in here in this ring and tell my students the same thing I've been telling, well, it's vindication. And then they're all like, oh, you'll listen to a steal, but, you know. But this, if you want to learn professional wrestling, you want to learn it right the old school way and uh, to learn it right and get a chance to work with some of those big places, give us a call. And it's 858-8487. Send us a message on Facebook. Reach out to us. And uh, if you want to do it right, this is where you need to come. Oh, man, thanks so much for your time. I'll let you finish it out, Nathan. Uh, just thanks for joining us. And, again, you're welcome oh, anytime. Awesome. We appreciate you. Uh, guys, check out MSW. Check out Space Cowboy. Man, thank you guys so much. This has been an honor. Goodbye and good night.